Welcome to the African Campfire Stories podcast. The African Campfire Stories podcast is a program that is dedicated to the telling of African history stories and events. To bring African history stories to you, we have to wade through a lot of facts, dates, names of people and names of places. Should you pick up anything we get wrong, please let us know. You can visit us on our social media pages on Twitter, African Campfire Stories on Facebook, African Campfire Stories on Instagram, African Campfire Stories. Our website is www.africancampfirestories.com. Your assistance in this regard will help us continue to give you quality programming. We are very grateful to the historians, writers and scholars whose work is necessary for providing us with the information that we get to share with you on this podcast. Before you listen to today's episode, we would like to suggest that you listen to special episode 3, How History is Written, Part 1. Please check out the Cold War Porn series and the Xenophobia and Hatred series. Both are available on our website. The website also contains articles on various history-related topics. Without much further ado, here is today's episode. This is Special Episode 4, How History is Written, Part 2. It is said that history is written by the winners. This quote is attributed to Winston Churchill. Churchill is also famous for having said, open quote, History will be kind to me. I know because I will be writing that history, close quote. The statement about history being written by the winners has become a cliché in the modern world. In the African context, this statement is used mainly in light of the fact that almost the entire African continent was conquered and colonized by outsiders at some point. Thus, it was the members of the colonizer community that wrote African history. If history is written by the winners, then this means that African history has not been written by the denizens of the African continent. Because in the years from the 15th century until around the middle of the 20th century, a large portion of the African continent was not free. And before that time, much of Africa did not have written records that could be used to piece together African history. But when European colonists brought with them the ability to do that piecing together, that is, when they brought writing with them, they proceeded to write a version of history that would suit them. In part one, we explored the fact that in some of the cases where some form of history had been written by the natives, the documents could be destroyed, either by natural causes, either by accident or even by human beings on purpose. An example of the latter is the destruction by the French of the Bamum script of Cameroon. The French destroyed schools and documents. The other form of destruction was not physical but rather much, much sneakier. When the king of Bamum, Ibram Joya, was exiled by the French in 1931, the Bamum script slowly fell into disuse. However, thanks to the Bamum Scripts and Archives project, the Bamum Scripts is in the process of being documented and saved for posterity. But there are many other ancient writing systems that have not been deciphered yet not just only in Africa, but in other parts of the world, including South America and even Europe. Sometimes there is also the problem of misinterpreting old writing. For instance, 
It has only been in recent times that the cave drawings found all over Southern Africa and created by the sand people have been recognized to be religious and metaphysical in nature. These drawings, which were originally thought of as strange depictions of real life, are now seen as representations of the spiritual netherworld, a world that can be inhabited through trances and other such religious means. The Europeans that were writing African history starting from the 15th century have had some old writings and also word-of-mouth stories. Granted, they could understand the writings, but was what they wrote about Africa and its people accurate? Many ordinary Africans assume that the history written during the colonial era was completely misleading and not representative of the truth. However, many modern historians, including African ones, are saying that not all of the history written by the winners is incorrect. Some of the factors that make some of the history written during the colonial era accurate have to do with the realities of the colonial community itself. The European colonial community was not a monolith. Even if they were from the same country, there were different people with differing aims and goals. Among the European colonial community, were newspaper writers, journalists, explorers, business people, politicians, the military, and so forth and so on. For some of these people, their objectives were naturally at odds. Just among the politicians alone, you had politicians from different political parties, opposition politicians, and politicians sent by the monarchs to check on the other politicians. So disagreements, some of which were written down and have survived to modern times, existed. For instance, the political and military arms of the colonial community were sometimes at loggerheads with the religious and missionary arms. Missionaries regularly rode back to Europe complaining about the treatment of natives by the politicians and the military. Having said that, we should get something clear. I'm not in no way saying that whatever the missionaries wrote about Africa and Africans was accurate or is accurate, nor was it always well-meaning. There are things that, generally speaking, a lot of the colonial Europeans agreed upon. Things that were inaccurate, misguided, or plain untrue. These include agreement on the fact that Africans were backwards, had no culture, and were not civilized. So when one looks at the history and the related documents written during the colonial era, one will need to be able to glean the facts from those writings. For instance, Statements about Africans being uncivilized are not statements of fact. They are subjective statements. We know that Europeans of those times used a lot of words whose meanings should not be taken at face value or literally. For instance, words such as savage, uncivilized and such generally meant that someone was not Christian. Take the word barbarian. This word has very negative connotations in the English language. However, the origin of this word was relatively innocuous. The Greeks, the first people to use this word, called almost everyone whose language they couldn't understand a barbarian. Even the Romans were barbarians to Greeks. So how much of an insult did this word originally contain? One has to be careful about these labels. Sometimes they mean nothing more than just to indicate that the person being written about is not like whoever was doing the writing. Also, Europeans of that time, and even some today, tend to measure everything based on how things were done in Europe. For instance, it took many decades, many centuries for Europe 
to understand many African systems of governing. When the Europeans first arrived, at face value to them, it seemed like Africans had no governing structures, no laws and no rules. Many Europeans did subsequently correct this impression in later writings, but the damage had already been done. First impressions are a stubborn lot to eradicate. When looking for usable information among the writings of Europeans during the colonial era, there are methods that one can use. Some of these methods are applicable to all sources of history. Number 1. You need to compare different sources on a particular subject or event. That is, however, if you are lucky enough to have more than one source on the same historical event. You need to compare and look for similarities and diversions. We have mentioned that even Europeans from one country were not a monolith. What we have not yet mentioned is that sometimes in some parts of Africa, more than one European country had access to specific geographical areas. And by nature, most of these countries saw each other as rivals for colonies. Cameroon, for instance, had the English and the French. Some countries like Tanzania had a European colonizer, the Germans, who was later replaced by another, the English. Egypt had the Ottomans, the French and the English, all taking turns in colonizing the country, which then provides us with a very rich foundation for history sources. Number two. When looking at history writings from the colonial era, you have to try and ascertain what the writer's motives were. Was the writer a general, for instance, who was writing back home trying to cover up why his army had just killed a bunch of natives? Number three, what opportunity did the writer have of actually seeing the events he was writing about? If the writer says that he heard the story from someone else, then you have to try and find out what the motives of that someone else were. For instance, if that someone else was talking about a battle between his tribe and another tribe, his objectivity could potentially be in question. You need to find out if that someone else himself was in a position to have really witnessed what he was talking about. Number four, we have already spoken about subjectivity. Things like opinions should be ignored whenever possible. For instance, the Romans wasted so much ink explaining how ugly the Huns were. That was just an opinion. And the only possible fact to be gleaned from such writings is that the Romans were super scared of the Huns. And thus they wrote all manner of things that were meant to communicate how scary and terrifying the Huns were. Number 5. Assess if the writings in questions are meant as some kind of guide for the colonials. If the writing in question is a guide, chances are the information it contains is true. For instance, the Chinese wrote a lot about the nomadic natives in the north of China who had no writing of their own. They wrote a lot of inaccurate information about these nomads. But when it came to advice to other Chinese on how to fight those nomads, the Chinese were pretty accurate including the fact that the nomads were brave. In situations like this one, it would not have served the interest of the Chinese to write, for instance, that the nomads were cowards, that the nomads didn't know how to fight, etc., because the nomads were good fighters and were organized and were well-led. To lie about these facts would have misled the Chinese armies who had to fight these nomads in the future. So before you throw away all those old colonial writings, you might want to think twice about that.
We know that starting from the 1950s to the 1990s, African countries gained independence from colonization. But just because Africans could now write their own history, it did not mean that problems with history sources had disappeared. Africans in Africa might have been winners in the struggle for independence, but were all Africans winners really? The answer is no. In the matter of post-colonial Africa, the issue of who the winners were depends on who got into power after freedom. For instance, it's a fact that many, if not most, African countries became one-party states after freedom. These parties then proceeded to write a very skewed history during the struggle for freedom. Africans from other political parties were left out of the narrative or were grudgingly given small roles. Many of those African ruling political parties essentially represented specific tribes. So then, not only was the history of the other political parties suppressed, but the efforts of those other tribes during the struggle were omitted or minimized. So when looking at the sources of African history for the last 60 years or so, one has to use some caution and discretion that we said should be used for colonial era writings. History is written by the winners. All right, but it does not mean that it's not accurate. We just need to exercise caution when dealing with history sources, regardless of whom the sources were created by or when the sources were created. Also, who the winners are is not always straightforward. We have reached the end of today's episode. Stay tuned. See you next time.